This is Hell Black, the podcast coming straight from Oakland, California, brought to you by the neoliberals who done co-opted the whole Black Lives Matter movement and sold it for everything that is worth. You know what I'm saying? Sponsored by Wells Fargo, sponsored by Rock Nation. Shout out Van Jones. You know what I'm saying? We coming here right now. It's your host, Blake Don't Crack. You can follow me on Twitter, at Blake Don't Crack. Follow me on Instagram, at Blake Don't Crack. But if you click that follow button, you're going to have to pay up because, you know what I'm saying? We some neoliberals in this thing. And yeah, this is your co-host, Delincey, and I want to give a shout out to all the organizers that's out there commodifying the movement. You know, I see you out there collecting your coins, but um, me and my man Blake, we out here kicking this real shit. All the other shit y'all seeing, man, that's just these people out here trying to please master. Me and Blake out here fighting all anti-blackness, all white supremacy. So um, if you got a problem, come catch the fade. Shout out to the town. We're going to bring this town shit back. Back, hella black podcast episode two. Back like we never left. You feel me? Little long hiatus, but we back blacker than ever. It's been like a year. <laughs> it's been a year or so. You feel God, me? God, we came with like this Dr. Dre with the detox. We dropped one podcast and we disappeared for a very long time. But now we back and we better than ever. You know, the people been speaking. They said they wanted to bring it back. So you feel me? We had to bring it back for the one time. For the one time, you know what I'm saying? So it's lit. You here with Delincey and Blake. We kicking this flavor. We bringing this heat. We speaking on black liberation at all times. We talking about real black liberation, not that you know activists make money off black liberation. You feel me? So we got a good program here today. Got some hot topics to talk about that's been going on in the black community and the quote unquote conscious community that they want to talk about. And everybody want to <laughs> say Black Lives Matter, but you know, <laughs> practice capitalism and only hang out in white communities. Um, you know, shout out Van Jones, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, well, why don't you just go ahead and jump right into it, Blake? Yeah, so one of the topics we want to talk about today is is black liberals. Because black liberals, you know, the Obama types, the the Van Jones types, you know what I'm saying? They they use they they use their blackness, mm-hmm. right? They use their blackness to get in the room. They use their blackness to excuse them usually of of fucked up politics, right? Preach. So we got we got people like Van Jones signing with Rock Nation. Since when did you have to be an organizer and activist to sign to a damn record label? I don't know, but I've never heard of um, somebody that's actually pro-black in their actions signing to a record label. Like a record label? No, I've never seen it before. This is the first. I don't know. Maybe he's a pioneer. (laughs) Maybe he's a pioneer for activism. He's a colonizer of activism, honestly. Oh, that's a better... Oh, that's a low blow. Oh. So why don't you explain to the people what Van Jones did for those of us who don't know. Yeah, so I mean, Van Jones, he's always been on CNN defending. I remember he defended Trump. Um, he's always gotten kind of a spotlight. He's the, the token good black Negro who CNN gives a spotlight and then gets a following based on quote unquote being activists and kind of using some of the activist language that is actually used by people who are doing the work in the streets. Brief intermission. You cannot be pro black and get pub from CNN. It just does not happen. That's impossible. So anytime you see somebody getting hyped up on CNN that's black, just know it's not lit, bro. They're probably anti-black. Mm-hmm. There's very few people who actually come with the fire. Like I think Michael Mont Hills is probably one of the few, few folks who I've noticed who really has principles. You feel me? And goes on and really talks talks his shit. You know what I'm saying? Because if you go on there, you got to sell yourself a little bit in a way. You know what I'm saying? If we went on there talking about how we really felt, connecting the dots. 
They probably cut it. <laughs> they would not. We would. Yeah, that would definitely be a very short segment. We wouldn't be back on it. You very know? short segment. That probably wouldn't even get aired. We'll probably do like one test run. They will see how we're talking about, okay, this is not going to work. Right. So in a lot of ways, you kind of have to sell your soul to even be on, you know, Viacom brands in a sense and be on these big corporate brands to, oh even, get a, to even get a platform. But it's his blackness that, quote unquote, got him the platform as the token good Negro mm-hmm. who's going to say, you know, it's Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump's the issue, but not connected back to white supremacy. Yeah. Right. So I feel like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having good intentions, but you can tell that the good intentions aren't necessarily going to benefit the community. And at what point do your good intentions just like at some point, I feel like his good intentions, Vance Jones or any other. What do we call them? Is it neoliberalism? Yeah. Neoliberalists? Neoliberals. Neoliberals. Yeah. I feel like at some point, you got to just start judging them strictly by their actions. Because you could be on the internet talking all this pro-black stuff. You could be out giving talks, talking all this pro-black stuff. But if your actions, the actions that you're actually taking, align with anti-blackness, we got to just judge you by what you do, not by what you say. And I think Van Jones is a perfect example of that. Are there any other people that we can like throw into this category of people who have just found a way to... like? come up off the movement, come up off the back, the backs of black people? I mean, there's a lot of opportunistic vultures, just in general, you know, who, and let's be real, they would not be, uh, they would not have the platform that they have, right? They would have no platform if it wasn't for the black radical, the black radical who was incarcerated, the black radical who, who bled, right? To integrate even the space that they're in, yeah. to even have a platform, right? So it's oftentimes... You feel me? Niggas in the streets who was really doing the work. You feel me? And then it's it's them who get the spotlight because they're, they're just good enough. You feel me? They can say, oh, yeah, Donald Trump, he is ruining our nation, but he won't. they won't talk about white supremacy and the roots of the roots of the issues in this country. Right. So, I mean, I think we there's a lot of people who who use their identity to excuse themselves from violence, who use their identity and they use their their blackness and they weaponize their blackness as a tool for them to gain capital. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, and it's fucked up because at some point, right, like if you're a black person without a voice, like some of those people you just named, black people that got lost in the system, black people that never got a fair ch- shot at um, education, and you see, you're kind of expecting, you know, like these leaders that we, I guess, anointed ourselves, we're expecting them to like hold us down and to put us in a position of where we can all flourish. But eventually you get cats like Van Jones, like you said, who come up off their blackness and they get to this certain peak and they forget all about those people who helped them get to that level. Right. And they start doing things like uh, we have to understand that, like, bro, if white people like you, you probably not just kicking no real shit. Like, that's just facts. I've never seen a, I've never seen a pro black, a real like, not just pro black in talk, but pro black in actions and really trying to out there dismantle the system. That's a, that's a, that's marginalized and oppressed mm-hmm. us. I've never seen a black man like that, or a black person, a black woman like that, a black person in general that's really out here fighting to break down the system, get put on a pedestal by white people. I mean, anyone who isn't a threat to them is going to get get put up, you feel me, and get tokenized, right? If white Even, people like you, you're pretty sure you're doing something wrong for the black community. Right. If too many white folks like you, <laughs> you're doing that's something usually a wrong. sign. It's a sign, <laughs> It's a bro. sign. It's a sign for me to be careful around you. So do you have, like, the details of, like, Van Jones? His, he signed to Rock Nation? What did yeah, he, he signed to Rock Nation. You know, he got him a little black power activist chain now, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, what, is, like, what does that mean when you sign to a record label or uh, as a to an agency like what? I only I don't even know what it's hard for me to connect like, the dots. Right? I don't even like understand. Like so now it's like we already know. Like once you, that's just like when you um, like for me right when I signed a scholarship or for you when you signed a scholarship, you no longer you you represent you represent something bigger than you now, right? And you have to adhere to the to their politics. Mm-hmm. Like it's very. I'm pretty sure 
Rock Nation not about to be out there dismantling this, talking about things that could threaten this capitalistic society. I mean, Rock, they're an right. entity that profits from capitalism, right? Right. Jay-Z is a capitalist himself, right? Who came, you know, and I think it's nuanced too, right? Bro came from poverty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He came from poverty and he he pulled himself up, I guess you could say, right? By his bootstraps. By his bootstraps. He's living the American dream, right? But yeah. he's still... You know, he still has to compromise his ethics. I, I don't even know his ethics. So I can't speak about his ethics. But he has to align himself with capitalist exit, uh, ep, or ethics. And capitalism is built and designed to marginalize and oppress somebody. Right. And in America, it's, it's black people. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, and he could be doing a lot of good, right, with his with his clothing line, right? You know, all the, all the stuff that he has. But where is he? Who is he putting to work? You feel me? Is he putting his people to work and paying them full wages, or is he sending an outsourcing to China? But that's, like, something I've always had, like, kind of a problem with, right? It's just like, okay, it's like, I don't think activism should be this give-and-take thing. Like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm marginalizing my oppression over here, but on Sundays, I'm at the cookouts giving back. Like, I don't really think, like, I don't, I, it's like, I feel like you can't play the fence with this thing. Like, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. And anytime you benefit from capitalism and all your money is not going directly back, because I'm like, we live in a capitalist society, let's be real. Right, like, right. We're going to have to, if you want to make any, like, and money makes this world go around, but, like, if you're trying to really thrive and even, I've never seen somebody like that's really poor, really be able to do anything for, for the black community in America, right? So, you, like, at some point, you have to start making money. But, like, mm-hmm. at what point, it's a lot, I feel like a lot of these people are, like, one foot in and one foot out. Right. Like, they're doing, they're doing some things that help the black community, but they're also doing a lot of things that continue to support this capitalistic society. Right. And is it, is it possible to like? I don't even know if it's possible to like, at, like you know, like to benefit from capitalism so much and then branch off because I feel like that's like something we talk about all the time. Is like, okay, I got to get a certain amount of money. Like, is it right. even possible to like you know benefit from this and then branch off and give it all back to the black community or is it a farce? Like, I, don't know. I mean, I think it's a way in the structure, right? So if you think about the business structure, a very capitalist structure is that you have the owner, then you have the workers, mm-hmm. right? The owner is bringing in you know the majority of the money while the workers are being paid um, terrible wages. Right, but the owner's cool, driving the Mercedes while the worker is taking BART AC Transit to work every day. Yeah. Right? So it's just about the structure of the business, right? So if you think about, like, Mandela Food Co-op here in West Oakland, it's a worker-owned co-op, right? So where the workers, they have a form of ownership in the company, right? It isn't just the owner and then the workers. You feel me, though? The workers um, are a part of the ownership. You feel so me? So it's, it's, it's being spread out, right? So Jay-Z, you feel me, who was a multimillionaire, Probably coming close to a billionaire. He ain't, he ain't really giving this. He ain't giving his people no ownership. Right. So if he gave his people ownership, you feel me? Like why? Then it would be different. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, so if he built, different. if he built his factory, right? You know, he's from Harlem, right? New York, Brooklyn. 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 I'm assuming Brooklyn. BX stands up. I think it's Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The Bronx, maybe. Are those two different places? Shit, I don't know. We some some yay area niggas. Oh, my God. Yay area niggas. Oh, I feel terrible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) But imagine if he built the factory in his hometown, right? Employed folks from the hood he grew up in. Allowed them to become owners of the factory, right? While Mm -hmm. they're creating the different stuff for Rock Nation. Yeah actually giving them a chance to improve their lives and not just make a minimum wage, slave wage, he can be doing some powerful, powerful work, right? But, but that's sense. against the capitalist empire. And who knows who else um, he's in cahoots with, you feel me? They start seeing that, oh, Jay-Z, he, he, put, him on the, he put on them niggas. 
they might not want to do business with Jay-Z anymore. So, I mean, it's complicated, but at the same time, is he has enough money where he could really, really be making a difference. Like P. Diddy, you feel me? He started his own charter school in, in New York. He didn't need to char- start no char- charter school. He could just, with the amount of money that he had, right, and now he's going <laughs> to take funding from the public school. Oh, God. Right, but he has enough money to have his own school Do where he think- can hire black teachers, have a black curriculum, you know what I'm saying? Like, But, like, I, I feel like I know it's, like, it's and it's... I'm not trying to like attack these guys or anything like that, but it's like these are people. Only reason why we can even come at them like this is because these are people who talk about how intelligent they are, right? And of course, it seems like they have some type of book smarts, and we know they have street smarts, for sure. We know they have street smarts. So it's like the reason why we hold these people to such high standards, and the reason why we can t- critique them this way is because I kind of feel like when you know better and you don't do better, that's the epitome of all evil. Like you know better, and you're choosing to do what you do. Now, if there's like twenty year old black men who would just like, just I'm, made I'm, it out. Yeah, like I'm gonna open a school, I'm gonna open a right. charter school. Like, okay, that's cool, but like, now let me tell you, bro. Like, you know, you actually just took some money from the community. I feel like these are guys that know what they're doing, which is why I'm, I'm so critical of them. Like, they know, like, smart, they're smart dudes. That's what I'm like. These are right. some very smart dudes, which is why, which is why I hold this to the standard. And I've always heard like, um, commu- like people say like uh, celebrities or entertainers say like, you know, I'm not no role model or. I don't want to speak on stuff like this, but, like, these guys are people who always talk about, like, uplifting the black community and stuff like this, which is why I hold them up to such this, to such a high standard. So, okay, you talk about being pro-black or how we as black people need to take responsibility for this and that, but it's like, y'all really do things that feed into oh, anti-blackness. Like, come on now. But I think that's where, you know, even in this Black Lives Matter movement, right, the movement, generally speaking, doesn't have a clear ideology. You know what I'm saying? The Panthers, you feel me? We in West Oakland recording this right now, right? The Panthers, they had a clear ideology. They were Marxist-Leninists. Yeah. I'm sure that a lot of folks, a lot of these liberals are going to be, you know, post a, you know, all power to the people quote, but have no idea what socialism means, but still practice capitalism, right? And still be vultures in the sense in our own community where they're profiting off of activism and making money off of activism, but they're not doing anything to give back to the people who are really in the trenches. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the amount of, like, houseless people we just walk by, drive by. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, where where are they getting the access to to the Rock Nation shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how is Van Jones signing the Rock Nation helping poor black people in America? Show me the direct correlation of that. Show me how. There is none. We can tell you it's how like it's hurting them. <laughs> yeah, we can tell you how it's hurting them. He's signed into an entity that's owned by white people. Right. And when have white people ever gave a fuck about black people in America. Never. The only time they give a fuck about us is when they can make money off of us. Period. So that should let you know something right there. Van Jones signed into Rock Nation. There's definitely some coins being made by some white people. Now, something that's on my mind right now, man, me and Blake are in here. We're drinking Hennessy. And as I'm, you know, I'm drinking this, I'm like, damn, people saw us drinking Hennessy. They see you with the afro. They see me with the tattoos. They're probably like, these niggas shouldn't be allowed to talk about this. So this, this is definitely a perfect segue into our next topic identity politics yeah i think you bring up a good point too just also about respectability politics too you know what i'm saying like how you feel me we both are community organizers we're both activists but there's also many ways to be an activist too you know what i'm saying we can be activists and still smoke a blunt and drink hennessy on a friday i don't even like the term you know what I'm activist. Like, I, I, I don't know like i just feel like activists like it's dope but like people just throwing that word around these yeah. days like i just feel like i'm just somebody that like really cares about the place that I'm from and the people that look like me. 
they need to be organizing. Mm. You know, there's like that difference between activism is just talking about it, organizing is like let's put together, it, a, let's real put together a real to plan like and a real action. Achieve the things that we want. Right. So I don't know, like I'm like activists, right? Like there's so many people who consider themselves activists, and it's like that's cool. Like, it's really easy to be like, activists. Like, yeah. Go to one one protest, take an Instagram picture, do one hashtag. I'm a part of the movement now. Like we really, cute. we really in the field. I was trying to tell people, like, bro, we're really out here. Like, you can really go outside, and people want to recognize and know who we are. Right. But back to the respectability and identity yeah. politics, bro. That's been heavy on my mind. Like I said, we in here drinking Hennessy. Um, two college grads. That really don't mean shit, man. You don't have to be a college graduate to to really make waves out here. But it's just like I don't know. I just get so. I hear people say like you have to be or act a certain way to be pro black. Right. That's something that's been heavy on. So can you like address identity politics a little bit more for the people that don't know what it is? I mean, identity politics in a lot of ways is a is just a, a form of neoliberalism which, you know, uses your identity and weaponizes your identity to to create harm, right? So a perfect example of that would be Barack Obama. Right? He's a smooth, you feel me, black man, got a whole black family, you know what I'm saying? He could walk the walk, talk the talk, you know, give you that, you know what I'm saying, but he's still gonna drop more bombs. You feel me? And, and niggas are still going to stand for him. Like, oh, he was our first black president. That don't mean shit. What is that? What is like him doing black? What does him being black have to do with anything, really? His actions speak more. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so he's used his identity as, as a black man to excuse a lot of violence, right? Mm. Right? And, and the people hold on to it. Like, oh, we can't talk about Obama like that. Yeah, we can't. If he's doing you know something still hurting us. Malcolm X, right? Malcolm X talked about the knife being put in our back, right? And if you take it out a few inches, it's still that ain't progress. You know, even if you heal the wound, that ain't progress, right? Mm-hmm. Obama, you feel me, today, Obama's the one who kept the knife in the back and, only, you know, put it even further in. But people don't want to recognize that. how Because he, he black. Because he's black. And that'd be, I mean, that's and a that's tough And that's peak pill. identity politics. And that's, and that's a tough pill to swallow. It's like, damn, even this nigga playing us. Like, that's a tough, and I think that's why a lot of people just really fall into the identity politics. It's like, I, it's a way not to, um, I guess, Be like, really, yeah, and it's a, really, it's a way to, like, let go of, like, the shit, I guess, that's, like, really there. It's a way to just, like, put your head in the sand. Like, I guess, like, just put your head in the sand and, like, it's not happening. But, like, right. to know that someone that looks like you and that's kind of, like, from the same shit as you can do things to marginalize and oppress you, that's a tough pill to swallow. Obama is a white supremacist. <laughs> in every sense of the word. His act, I mean, he may not talk like one. He may not look like one. But I think that's a, that's why he was the best chess move for white supremacy. Because he didn't... Because, like, it's just like, bro, like, if a, if a person... It's like, he's the perfect setup, bro. Like, they gave us somebody that we can trust by the look. Mm-hmm. And they know, like, we live in a world, we live in a society where, like, everything is just, like, we go off what we hear and what we see. Or identity. You know? Go off the identity. Yeah, so You're it's right. like, as opposed to just, like, what somebody actually does... So he's the, he was the perfect cover-up. Okay, let's get this man that looks like them, that talks like them, walks like them, dresses like them, but he gonna act like us. Right. We were hoodwinked. <laughs> we bamboozled. Bamboozled. <laughs> oh, my God. Barack Hussein. What I, I mean, sure, I was... I remember when he got elected, you know? Yeah, I was up in my school assembly. I think I was maybe in 11th grade, up there with my fist held up high and shit. I was 16, I think, at that time. Oh, I was hurt. I was hella happy when he got elected. I was like, man, anything is possible. I could hope. Can't you just dream? Oh, and he sold us hope too. Fuck, I forgot hope was his whole campaign. Wow. The red, white, and blue hope. He like a dope dealer selling fucking crack as soap. I wonder he how he sleep soap. at night. He probably sleep good as fuck with that fat ass bank account. He's smiling. He chilling. He doing his, you know. You think he know better? He's smart enough to know better. 
He just probably... He's smart enough to know better. He knows exactly what he's doing. He just don't give a fuck. Damn, nigga. He thought, I mean... I cannot. I cannot. Don't tell me that, bro. I mean, he made his money. It was profitable for him. It's all about the coin. You feel me? He gonna have... He gonna open his library in Chicago. And it's the recording studio. It's gonna be a recording studio, but we're gonna have a recording studio <laughs> if your library gonna gentrify Chicago. Oh my god! The development's gonna bring in a whole bunch of new tourism, which means white folks. You know, <laughs> black, white people don't like seeing black people when they on vacation, nigga. <laughs> that's like that's the last thing. I, that's the last thing a white person want to see when they on vacation. Just they ain't want to see no nigga. Like I came all the way over here. I pay all this money for this flight. The first thing I see when I step off the plane is it's some niggas. niggas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stay there over this shit. That's how white people really be feeling. And that's why it's so, in the Bay is becoming a very, oh my God, it's just so much stuff we can talk about right now. Because it's all so visible. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it. Y'all, we in Oakland, I don't think y'all understand. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of places all over the United States that know about gentrification. I'm pretty sure, you know, this shit ain't nothing new, right? Nigga, Christopher Columbus, the um, pioneer of gentrification. So this shit, America was built on gentrification, but it's just like, and it's crazy because it's not like how they did the Native Americans, right? Where they just came in and like slaughtered these motherfuckers, right? For for, for to gentrify their their entire nation. So it's like here with us in Oakland, it's like they're slaughtering us, but like in a lot, in a, just like a, a slower, it's a slower process. Yeah, it's like a slower process. Like they could have just came in and wiped us the fuck out. But they're doing this slow. They're doing torture. But it's that slick, it's that slick liberal shit where we're like, oh, we care so much about. Our black population, let me shaft talk out her you know what I mean? Like hmm. all like, we care so much about our, our houseless and we gotta fi- we gotta figure out the homeless situation here in Oakland. This shit's starting to look a lot like Skid Row. Every other corner I feel like in West Oakland. Yeah, then we had that big ass fire. And then the fire. But the fire is the weapon of a gentrifier. People swear the like this shit is the- just like there's no such thing as like I don't believe in like I don't believe in just like these coincidences that are popping off right now. Nah, like there's no, there's not, it's not a coincidence. History that, tells us better. Yeah, there's, there's not a, there's not a, exactly. History tells us like what's going on. That's why they want to rewrite history so that when they start repeating this shit, we don't see it coming. Look what happened in New York. You know what I'm saying? It ain't happened in Piedmont where the fires are. It ain't happened in Montclair. That's where the niggas at. You feel me? It's happened in the West. It's happened in the East. It's happened at the houseless encampments. They're trying to scare them to get away from the freeway. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to scare niggas them. Niggas is driving through here. Get the fuck out the way. Right. That's how they feeling, like, bro. We got niggas driving past, thinking about moving here. Cut. But you gotta, you gotta make the white folks feel comfortable, quote unquote. Right. You feel me? So in order to for them to feel comfortable, they don't want to see, they don't want to see tents. You know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because West Oakland was a red line community. Oh, you feel me? Like we're only niggas was more like they forced us to be here. They forced us to be here. Now they're trying to take us out here because it's like, oh, this shit's kind of cool. They got the industry. They got these, you know, it's it's closer to the water. Niggas even like the water, but then they want to like reject that shit. You feel me? And then like, oh, I'm gonna buy hella expensive clothes, cut it up, and act like I'm poor. The cold part about it is that's the coldest shit. Eventually, they're gonna try to send us to the hills. Like y'all can have a big ass house. We don't want. There's gonna be a point. We probably won't be around. They're gonna redline us to the hills. And then in another hundred years, they're going to want that shit back. This shit is sick. A lot of people don't understand, but like we were forced to live in these areas. We were forced to live in these, in these, in these, in these communities. In these communities. <laughs> and now it's like, okay, we want them back now. We made a mistake. Where y'all staying at, the culture that y'all have built, the way of life that you guys have, have established over here. We want a little piece of that. And at first it was just a piece. Now they want it all. They want it all. And they starting to, 
It's not Neo, even. It's Neo colonialism. You know, they're just taking more land away, and we on stolen land. We are stolen people on stolen land, right? Fuck. Who do we run to when we need love? Shit, Hennessy. <laughs> this shit is sick, bro. So, like, what do what do we? What are some? I know we doing we doing like some very. I'm not gonna say minute because they're like they're big. They're big, but like I feel like it's just like we also we taking some very small steps to like create some really big change. Like, what are some things we can like? What are some things you like? What are some things we can do to like really start fighting this shit? Besides what we're doing right now, or what we're doing right now, what are some things you can tell people that we're doing to help? I mean, I think that some combat the, the, the biggest thing we can do is fight for more black spaces, and how do we preserve them? You feel me? But I think it's all it's all all politics start local. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, how are we pulling up? You feel me? Locally, to folks, how are we like meeting the basic needs of people? You can't expect the people to be a part of the revolution if their light bill is still on. You feel me? They can't get their light bill paid. Yeah. Right. So I think really what we got to start doing and start working toward is, you know, protests are good at times, right? That's how you get people to understand that the movement is going on is through a protest, right? That's starting to like generate the consciousness, right? But oftentimes it's a few people planning the protest and those people go back like, damn, what did this protest even do? So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's that small community building. Like, giving clothes to the houseless people, like, you know, like, just basic things, like, getting water, you feel me? It's starting makes, to get hot out here, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, some basic that. stuff, so folks see that, like, we really care, you feel me? Because, like, you know, as we're talking about this, we're still, like, I'm hella privileged, you feel me? Like, to even be talking about this, like, we hella privileged, right? Like, right so now, even to be sipping Hennessy, you feel brand me? Brand new laptop. Right. <laughs> at a space that we own. Right. <laughs> Or we don't own we're renting. We're renting our own space. We don't own it, but like to even have the the ability to rent a space right. separate from our house, like that's we're definitely privileged in that sense. But like I I like the point you just made about it. it's like, and it's 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 more than just like supplying the basic. I think the um the benefits of just making sure that everyone's basic needs are met will allow them to like start focusing on other things. But like how you gonna focus on the betterment of your neighbor when your situation is fucked up, right? The only reason why I mean you can even talk about this kind of thing is because we have our own, you know, we've already fixed our own shit. Me and you are going to be like, we talked about this last week. We're going to be perfectly fine, bro. We two cishead males with um, the ability to code switch if we want to, which we don't like doing because that shit eats at my soul. (laughs) Right. But I'm saying like, if if it got sick enough to the point where we wanted to be selfish, right? Like, If we we wanted to be Van Jones, Obama type niggas, we had that ability. We're college educated and we're cishead men. Like, we had that ability, right? right? But since we don't, since we care about Others more than we care about ourselves, we instantly that's what, back. that's what got us into organizing, right? So I'm like, I feel like if we can start helping, if we take care of others' basic needs first, right, to the point where people don't have to worry about how they're going to eat, if their lights going to get cut on, if they're going to have clothing, then they can really start getting in the field mm-hmm. and start focusing on other things, right? Because just like right now, we're distracted. Like they have, like, being in a mode of survival is the worst place you can possibly be in. Because when, you, when you're trying to survive, you'll do anything that's taking away your ability to think rationally right. it's just it has you in a whole a whole other um, space of thinking right. so once we can get people's minds off being able to survive okay you'll focus you don't have to you don't have to worry about survive anymore now you can just focus on how can you thrive mm-hmm. once we can get black people in that state once we have that not even just that's damn near a privilege in itself mm-hmm. just being able to like not have to worry about surviving but i feel like once we get as a community we're able to stop that's worrying about survival we can start focusing on thriving the sky is the limit and that's what that's what these white folks don't want us doing. These white folks don't want us thriving. They I mean, want us surviving. Right, right. The Black Panther Party, the reason why they were so dangerous is they're free, free breakfast. So they don't worry about eating that's no why, more. That's why, they got, 
That's why they got infiltrated by the Black Panther or by the the, the FBI. Yeah, they're f- f- uh, free breakfast. You feel me? Free breakfast programs. Put aside the young kids. You know what I'm saying? And that's the biggest threat. Really, is actually community building. Mm-hmm. Right? You feel me? It's not just about being online and talking shit. It's about actually being, you know, knowing people in the community, making making relationships with people. You feel me? It's much easier to talk about these issues, but it's a lot harder to build like meaningful, lasting, you know, relationships in the community, you know? So it's, it's, it starts with that, that first thing you got to do to organize really is to get to know, you get to know who you're organizing with. Who are you, Blake? Who are you, Delancey? <laughs> you feel me? What, what's your biggest fear? You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you fear? Like what, what holds you back? How can we help each other? How can we build each other up? You know what I'm saying? Cause if you just know me as Blake, as that light skinned nigga on Twitter who talks a lot of shit, but you don't know my life. You feel me? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my struggles. You don't know my accomplishments. You feel me? So at the end of the day, like to begin organizing, you got to, the foundational organizing is relationship building. Most definitely. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's really about getting core folks. You feel me? People you know are down. People you know you can rely on. And then move. You don't need hella people. You could be, you could have five or six people and, and build something. Like when we did the demands at the Black Student Union, we had a lot of people show up, but the people doing the, the day-to-day labor it was a handful of us. And we just opened the Fannie Lou Hammer Black Resource Center. You feel me? A space where now community members, right, could come through and gain resources that isn't just for black students. Shout out Black at you Cal. You feel me? Shout out to all Black at Cal, you know what I'm saying? Shout out UC Santa Cruz. They just got their demands met. Moving Means. Shout out Khadijah Means. Moving Means. Yeah, we should we should talk about the black student movement. <laughs> Man, like, I mean, of course, I can give my... my um. My experience with the Black Student Union, right? I went to Berkeley High, and we had like one of like the. I don't know if I don't want to give us too much clout and too much credit, but I know that like Black Student High School Black Student Unions were not very common or popular. So I want I don't know if we had like one of the very few Black Student um department. What is African American uh, Studies departments? Right, where, yeah, the, which came out of struggle too. Yeah, yeah, I think we had like one of the only, if not the only, one of the very few um, Black Studies departments in uh. In America, so like when I was in what my junior year of high school, I was like, I was in the black student, and I think my senior year I was like vice president. And this was even before I like came into my blackness, but like, I even came into my black, like understood my blackness, always right. identified as black, always knew that like I was black, and that shit came with like a handful of issues and a, and a bunch of benefits, well, not even benefits. Uh, I don't want to say benefits, but like just like it came with a lot of just like we adult people though. Yeah, like it's just like I, I don't want to say benefits, right. but it's just like because it's like being black in America has zero privileges. <laughs> like I'm just gonna be right, honest. Right. Like being black, I don't want to like. Of course, me being like, I don't think my blackness has ever been a privilege. I have other things that allow that have gave me privilege, but I don't right. think my blackness has ever been one of them. But I just say like being black just comes like a lot of things that I was proud of, right? Right. So, um, like I said, I was my that was my mindset in high school. Like, okay, I'm black and I'm proud of this shit, and I'm gonna push this shit forward the best way I know how before I even was, like, kind of conscious of, like, all the things that came with blackness. So I was, well, like, vice president of the Blackstone Union. Then I went to college. Of course, I went to all PWIs. I went to Humboldt State University. I went to Santa Barbara City College. Then I went to the University of Idaho. Nigga, the first and the last schools I just named are home to the KKK. I'm talking about, if you go back to, like, the 1950s, 60s, and look at, like, black and white film of University of Idaho games, there are... No niggas. <laughs> Bruh, but no, there are people in the stadium dressed in clan, full cl- uh, cloaks on some straight clan shit in the stands, cheering, cheering. So like I, then Humble State, you look up there, 
Um, Arcada Eureka, like, you know, the uh, KKK community has always been thriving up there. Right. So it's like, I got there. So, of course, at those schools, we didn't have no black student unions, bro. The black student union was the football team. <laughs> it was the basketball team. It was the track. So when I came back after graduating and I got to, that's when I first linked up with you. It was like I was taking my last semester and I was taking a couple classes at Cal. And that's when I met you and like I got to see like all the stuff y'all were doing. I was covering that for Berkeley side and stuff and just like a writing. And I was like, damn, like, so this is what black student union college is all about. So I kind of missed out on that. And like I've always envied and admired the black student unions across America. Like that shit is just solely what they do. And like it's young. And like the movement has always been, what they say, like, you know, like, Young folks, young black folks always push the movement forward, right? right. Like MLK was super young. Malcolm was Malcolm young. was super young. Huey. Coretta was super young. Huey was super young. Claudette Colvin. Super. Oh God. Will Bobby Hutton, the first recruit of the Black on. Panther Party, sixteen years May old. May rest in peace. Come on. Like the movement is always started by young black folks. Like I really do admire all the black students, and it sucked that I never really got to be a part of one in college mm-hmm. when I really was just like all into my blackness and understood right. how they had us so fucked up. Right. But you. At Cal, got yeah. shit moving. So you should definitely talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when I was a student, we 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 did a lot. You feel me? But it was it's really in, in response to the the racist culture and the good old liberal liberal UC Berkeley campus, right? The the quote unquote liberal good white folk campus where you have a three percent of black people on a good day. You know what I'm saying? So for real, like Berkeley is the home of racism. Right. I know people now are seeing Berkeley on a different step on a different scale, you know, with all the white supremacists coming through, you feel me? Right. Like in downtown Berkeley and the alt right and all that, right? But Berkeley being racist. Berkeley's named after a slave owner. Yes. You know oh what I'm my saying? God. <laughs> like that history that, that is right in front of us a lot of times and we don't even we don't even realize it, right? So what we did as a black student union, we made ten demands for institutional change and you know, it's creating a, a big endowment scholarship for black students. Um as well as we just opened the Fannie Lou Hammer Black Resource Center, which is a, the first, like, big black space we've had on campus, and it's 2017. You know, so we opened that center up. I was uh, the project manager behind in that. You know, now it's like black students have the space to just just live, you feel me? But also a space to where we bring in the community up, too, so there ain't the divide. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. you're privileged to be at UC Berkeley, you feel me? So, like, how do we use your privilege to go back in the community where the reading rates, you feel me, just down the street, you got low reading rates in West Oakland. You feel me? Which is right down the street. <laughs> right down the street. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of these kids ain't never been up to Berkeley. You feel me? But you can see you can see the Campanile from West Oakland at the Boys and Girls Club. You can see I the damn Campanile. But I don't know what it is. I just hear the <laughs> Not you just hear the bell. You know what I'm saying? So I think black students have always made a always made a significant role. You feel me? And uh, that's what we're trying to do with the African Black Coalition, with the largest black youth organization in the state of California. And we're an organization. You feel me? There ain't many black organizations out there. You feel me? That are all black. Very few. Very few that even have radical. No white folk. Have very radical politics, too, right? Um, Very few that are pan African, right? (laughs) That are actually explicitly for the liberation of all black people. And we ain't talking about liberation through capitalism. We're talking about liberation through socialism. You feel me? The unite. Uniting the black working class, you feel me, and the people who are most oppressed. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we're doing that work out here in the state of California. We're building, you know, we're building black students, black youth, and as Huey Newton says, youth inherit the revolution. Please. You know what I'm saying? So we can't even, you know, sometimes even us, we like, oh, these little young niggas is bad, bro. Oh, I feel me? We be saying that, some of that shit sometimes, oh. but they would say the same shit about us. Exactly. What if they would have given us? You know what I'm saying? Us? So it's like, we got to, 
we got to invest in the youth. One of the most powerful, I feel like one of the most revolutionary things you can do is how do you help out the youth? How do you politicize the youth? You know what I'm saying? Because when you politicize the youth, you have you know folks like Will Bobby, uh, Will Bobby Hutton. You feel me? Sixteen years old. Sixteen. Shoot up. Sixteen years old. No fear. Shoot down with OPD. No fear. You know what I'm saying? Like my uncle Jaleel Mutakin, locked in prison right now. Former Black Panther. You feel me? He's been in prison since he was 19 years old. He was fighting for my black ass before I was even born. You know what I'm saying? And. I think we need to, like, when we empower the youth, you feel me? But also, we got to realize that some of the decisions the Panthers made weren't, weren't always the best decisions. Yeah. You know, so it's like, as youth, we also got to pull up to our elders and ask our elders for advice. It's just saying? all about, like like you said, community building, right? Community building is like all of us coming together. I think the youth can learn a lot from our elders, and our elders can learn a lot from the youth. And I feel like as long as we're working together, we're going to keep pushing this culture forward. And y'all can keep expecting a lot from me and Blake, man. Like, with this Hella Black podcast, before we didn't have our own space, now we got one. Like, we really been, I guess you can say, like, tucked off, whatever you want to say. We want to be on a hiatus, really building. Like, really building. And I, um, I don't believe in no coincidences, right? So I feel like all this stuff, everything we've been doing is just putting us in position to do the things that we want to do and have such a larger impact. So I'm really excited about this Hella Black podcast. Y'all can tune in and please let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Again, this is only our second our second episode, so if you hear us bouncing around, like we got all this stuff built up. We haven't talked about any of this stuff besides just the kind of conversation that we just have on a day to day basis, right. right? But like when it comes to a podcast, I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but like it's it's ways to make this super effective. And we just learning about trial and error, but we do have. I mean, I know he has a lot of people that respect him, and I have a lot of people that respect us. And we really just want to be here for the people. Strictly for the people. That's accountable to the people. Exactly. Like we really out here. We in the field. We want to help y'all as much as we can because helping y'all is helping us. So y'all got any suggestions, anything y'all want to hear from us, please tap in with us. Hella Black Podcast. Shout out to the African Black po- Coalition. Shout out to the LGBTQ community. Um, shout out to all my disabled folks. Shout out to anybody man that's out there marginalized and oppressed. Shout out to my pro-black brown folks because not everybody is a uh, pro-black i don't care <laughs> if you are um a plc if you're not pro-black you know i'm not yeah. with it <laughs> yeah I, I ain't with it if you're pro-black it's good but you know what i'm saying like they put us all on this branch like oh all people will cover the same nah that's yeah, a racist nah. oppression yeah, you feel nah. me not all people will cover the same my people came here in slave ships <laughs> not by choice by not force. by choice by force we ain't on that dr coon carson logic you Hello? feel me so, but yeah, holler at us. You feel me? You can holler my me on my Twitter um, at Blake Don't Crack. You can holler us at African Black Coalition on Facebook at A Black Coalition on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? You can follow me on Twitter, duh D U H duh Lancy L E N C Y. If you do not like black women, black children, or black LGBTQ folks, do not follow me because I'm only going to make you mad and you end up unfollowing me. So. If you're pro-white, don't follow me. If you're pro-white, you can catch your chance. <laughs> Any Shut day, up. really out here in the field. Every <laughs> really, day. For real, pull up on us. <laughs> Tap in with African Black Coalition. We out here uh, loving life. You got anything else you want to say, B? No, nah, we good. Just tune into the next one. Just look forward to, you feel me? We always going to be creating. We always going to be building. You feel me? So, fuck with us. You feel me? We real black youth out here doing this. Yeah. We really in the streets. Young so. nigga nation, man. Free the guys. Yeah. <laughs>